3: nurses out loud Q&A on Tuesdays with nurse Michelle and Jody and Kimberly and we're going to be addressing any questions you all have sent in to us if you have questions and you haven't sent them in yet send them to nurses at Loud dot news. And we will make sure that your questions make it to the air. We're doing our best to try and get those done. And today we've got a few that we're going to put before you. So here we go. We also have with us today, Dr. Richard Urso, and we are going to let him take the first couple of questions because we would love to have his insight on this topic. So Kimberly, give us these questions. All right. Thank you, Michelle. All
4: right. Thank you, Dr. Urso for joining us today uh, and for offering your insights. So the first question that we have here is, um, hold on just a second, is from Mary. Mary wants to know, does it make a difference where you get the spike protein, whether it be from the vaccine or from COVID itself in regard to damage done to a person's body? She had a friend uh, that recovered from COVID and felt like that the damage from the spike protein from covid is not as bad as getting it from the vaccines um however mary feels like you know it's a spike protein is a spike protein and it doesn't make a difference and she wants to know which one of them is correct so trying to settle that debate between friends here
0: yeah well uh, so a couple things number one there's a big difference between the vaccine and the and the virus the virus uh Um, is basically um, not able to have access everywhere. So there's a huge difference. It's coming in through the respiratory system or maybe the GI tract. Uh, It can't walk through walls, unlike the lipid nanoparticle, which can carry the vaccine through uh, almost any part of the body, brain, bone marrow, adrenals, ovaries, liver, spleen. So a big difference there. The other thing is um, in the study from Salk Institute, we saw the spike is probably like 95% of the damage Caused by the virus, the the uh, the envelope uh, also caused a little bit of damage, neuro neurotoxicity, but in general, the 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 major cause of injury in the in the in the when you catch the disease is the um is the spike protein. So so the spike protein is responsible for most of the damage, and it's not just an endothelial thing um, when it comes to the, the, the to the vaccine because the vaccine easily walks through endothelial cells. Uh, gets into the media and the adventitia gets into the where the pericytes are. Um, it it gets in and basically causes inflammatory responses in places you would never see the uh, the vaccine itself do it. So there's a big difference there, and the uh, that that alone is is a big difference. The other big difference is the lipid nanoparticle itself is highly inflammatory. Lipid nanoparticle uh, can't be broken down. White cells die when they try to engulf the uh, polyethylene glycol's component of it, so there, there are other things. So it's a kind of a broad question. The virus is not as deadly as the vaccine for the reasons I just cited.
4: Thank you for answering that part of the question. And then, so I guess my follow-up question to that um, would be that as far as immunity, and I think we it's been well established that natural immunity is uh, far superior to vaccine-induced immunity, and would you agree with that?
0: Well, you're going to get exposed to a very small portion of the, uh, about 12% of the viruses uh, is exposed on spike protein. So the epitopes are going to be narrowly focused. Um, and that means you're going to not have long, broad, durable immunity because the uh, there will be immune pressure on the virus itself around the vaccine component. So um, so there's a big difference in and what we're seeing clinically is um, even worse than that because because you start destroying the T cells, especially over age 50, you're not making new ones. You start destroying your white blood cells uh, from the lipid nanoparticle component. Basically, you're seeing uh, those patients right now are are the most um, likely to get uh, ill because they basically are not only are they uh, wiping out their white blood cells, but they're going to an IgG4 class switch. So you develop a tolerating antibody instead of an immune instead of immune neutralizing antibody. You're getting a uh, tolerating antibody, which is basically coating and protecting the virus. So for several reasons, uh, you know, that's, that's a real problem. Now, as far as trying to get rid of it, um, you know, ivermectin is, I think very powerful. We've seen that with the vaccine injury, uh, patients, I use doxycycline. I've also found that to be helpful things that affect inflammation, colchicine, um, steroids can help. Um, but I am seeing a lot of immune reactive viral reactivation of Epstein-Barr and also, um, uh, herpes zoster, so I'm seeing that in my patients. So if you're having those patients, make sure you're checking for immune uh, viral immune surveillance uh, uh, weakness due to the um, several reasons. One is even the, the p53 component of the of the spike that's getting altered by by the sv 40 promoter to some extent, may be contributing to some of that. So there's there's a lot in the vaccine that's not in the in the virus itself. But as far as immunity goes, you're going to have epitopes that are going to be exposed on the entire virus 100%. So you're going to have long, broad, durable immunity. It's already been borne out. Um, The immunity uh, from SARS-CoV-1, there's still, it's 18 years later, still decent immune responses to SARS-CoV-2 because it's 78% similar. So we're seeing people that were exposed 18 years before from SARS-CoV-1 to SARS-CoV-2. Those studies have been done. Um, so, so natural immunity is long, broad and durable and, and better.
3: Doctor, I, I, also, agree with I have a question about that because in, it was 2003 that our whole family got a virus like we had never had before. And we would not find out till we just assumed it was the flu, but we would not find out until SARS-CoV-2 comes around that it was actually the very year that SARS-CoV-1 went through. And the one thing that they had in common was that when we dropped we literally dropped like flies. I mean, I was literally trying to get myself out of a grandparent's home to get away from all the sick people dropping like flies that were just dropping seriously. And as I was packing like a maniac to get out of that house, I felt like every ATP ounce of energy I had in my body zapped away, crawled to the bed was unconscious until my mother came up and said, uh, you have a nursing baby. <laughs> you know, you want to feed the baby. And I'm like, she just attaches what feels like a leech to me. And I wake up the next day and think, what has happened to us? our whole family got hit? And when COVID-2 came around 18, 17 years later, what happens is everybody in my whole family, except for me, is playing basketball by three days, perfectly fine. And I'm thinking, is it because of that immunity from prior And is there any way to test SARS-CoV-1 in your body to know if you actually ever did have it?
0: Uh, I don't know if there's a commercially available assay or not. I I don't know. Uh, Basically, there's assays, but I don't know if they're commercially available or not. That's a good question. I'm not sure. But it's been done. The studies have have shown that um, patients who were exposed still had an immunity uh, many, you know, two decades later almost.
3: Yeah. What else did they ask Kimberly? They were asking some questions about treatment and he did mention the ivermectin, doxycycline and colchicine. Are you also seeing people activate just diagnoses that they had prior flaring back up, like a multiple sclerosis person who may have been in remission. Is that what you're seeing? Like basically anything you had wrong flaring up?
0: Uh, The people with uh, EDS or um, Mm -hmm. other other autoimmune conditions, we're definitely seeing the uh, reactivation. I tell those patients, be careful, stay away from the vaccine. It's very inflammatory and I don't recommend it. The other thing I'm seeing a lot of is I'm seeing the cancers. Um, I've had some tumors that um, were 10, and 12 years out. Um, I thought they were completely done, get reactivated after the third. I saw this after the third booster. Um, and then recently after the last booster, I think I had uh, three patients in November that uh, tested positive for orbital uh, breast cancer, which is very unusual, highly unusual tumor. Now, I was chief at MD Anderson for a while, so I saw a lot of unusual tumors, but it's very unusual to, to to see a breast uh, metastasized to the orbit. Yeah,
3: so, yeah, we're seeing orbit. a lot of... Uh, what do you mean? A lot the of, uh, to the eyes?
0: Eye socket. Eye socket, yeah. So... We're seeing uh, uptick in cancers. Uh, we're seeing um, definitely. We saw a doubling of um, herpes zoster, uh, and that's been uh, that study has been published by others. But we have three hundred thousand patients in our practice, and we saw a doubling in our practice after the vaccine rollout. Roll so, like I said, immune viral surveillance is definitely getting curtailed.
4: And this is all. This all can occur uh, via shedding as well. Correct.
0: Um, uh, so it's hard to know. Shedding is real. Shedding is real. Mm-hmm. Live virus vaccines do it, but this lipid nanoparticles are going to do it. It's well known. They knew it in the trials. It's uh it's there are some design features. So I always tell people there are design features uh, for this for this platform that would have maybe been reasonable if you had a genetic disease. The um, lipid nanoparticle messenger, the messenger RNA complex is genetically modified to the point, as we saw in the studies, that they're still finding production of spike going on eight hundred and eighty days later. The other thing is. So that means that you get long-lasting long, long lasting spike production. The other thing is, um, uh, and it's hard to break down, the other thing is um, that the distribution is wide. So if you had a genetic disease, you could do a shot in the arm twice a year and maybe cure that genetic disease for that child. And that might be a risk-reward where it makes sense, you know, even though you're killing off a few white blood cells. But in a foreign protein production for months and months at a time, it's insane and have it being produced in your brain, your bone marrow, your adrenals, your ovaries, et cetera, that doesn't make any sense.
3: No, it does not. It is amazing that we're hearing this. Uh, Kimberly, I'm not sure. I think she had another question added to that. Did she have more? No, that was all. Just those two questions. Um, And then I I threw that in there.
4: Thank you so
3: much. Thank you so much. I wanted to ask you one more to see if you don't mind this one as another question that people are seeing all these videos of individuals that are eventually going to die suddenly, but they're being caught on camera where they are looking very confused. They're dropping things. They But the unique ending before they collapse to the ground in spasms is they look over their left shoulder and keep spinning toward the left side. And then they collapse to the ground and they're having all these spasms. And there's there's a name that goes with it. And she says, you know, these are obviously vaccinated people, but do you, are you aware of this that I'm talking about?
0: No, I'm not, but there's definitely, I have not, I've seen a lot of neurologic injury. It's not focal. That sounds like a focal defect. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of POTS and you know, we don't usually see POTS. Uh, we're seeing lots of neurologic injury. We're seeing lots of vascular injury, lots of inflammation, uh, lots of, you know, like I said, autonomic nervous system dysfunction. So there's a lot, I have not seen that personally, no.
3: Okay. We'll send that to you and let you analyze that because what is so unusual is to see the unique posturing they do the same exact posturing, but right before they collapse. And that's just So what
0: I'm seeing a lot of is I'm seeing people that have, that have strokes that have no reason to have strokes. They don't have diabetes. They don't have high blood pressure. They're not smokers. They're not vascular paths. And what happens is they get evaluated and they have clean carotids, clean coronaries, and yet they had a stroke. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Well, people they- who otherwise should not have, um, you know, had an issue somehow had an issue.
3: I heard that there was going to be a COVID clinic starting, I think it was in Texas. Um, yeah,
0: so- we'll be starting up. Joe Walscog, Bree Dresson, Kat Lindley, myself, uh, and many others are helping out. Uh, we've got a great uh we've got some great uh backing. Um, so we're gonna be opening that in Fort Worth. Um, this will be the first time anybody's heard of it, uh, but it'll be probably hopefully the end of the first quarter or the beginning of the second quarter, and we'll have that open and uh, I'm kind of excited. I want to actually tell people about it, but we've been trying to keep it under wraps.
3: So Would you, would you rather that just be kept? No,
0: it's fine. Family? I could just let people know we're working on it. I want people to be hopeful that we've got something going and we're going to have, a, we have a tremendous group of people that are going to be helping out. Pretty much everybody in the movement that you know, that you probably like, has been in this movement for three or four years is basically going to be involved and at least in some uh, peripheral way, helping us, helping out just because. Uh, it's not a money making venture. We're just trying to help people. Obviously, we've got bills because we've got some people, you know, nurses and other people that have to be involved that that uh, uh, that are willing to put in their time. But also, some people are going to be spending almost full time on it. So, you know, that's going to be something that um, you know we're, we're 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 really hopeful we're going to make a difference. And we hope we're going to learn a lot. We're gonna we're gonna uh, we have some good PhDs that are helping us to sort of. Maybe do uh, some IRBs where we can do some data collection. That's going to be helpful. So we hope we're going to learn a lot and help a lot of people.
3: I am so thankful to hear that. I hope the audience is encouraged as well, because there are wonderful physicians out here that are offering help and hope. And Dr. Urso is one of those people. So thank you so much for jumping on with us.
0: Thank you guys. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
3: Okay. We have another question from Kimberly who said, would you have any suggestions, recommendations for sudden, unexplained, benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, also known as BPPV, in an otherwise healthy and active 10 year old girl? Thank you for any assistance you can provide. Now, she did not mention whether or not this girl had gotten a vaccine or not. So we're left to not know if she is a recently vaccinated child. But go ahead, Jody. I think you had a good answer for that. Yeah.
2: So I first learned about this, uh, when I was working in med surge as a new nurse, and there was a doctor that would perform this, uh, Epley maneuver, which I thought was just super fascinating. And every time he went in with the different patients, because this is a, a bigger problem, how it presents is vertigo. Um, and what is that? Well, it is just not feeling like your body is, um, strong then and you know in space essentially you know and you get these bouts of dizziness like when you turn your head um you know you could be just like whoa like and just have this overwhelming feeling of nausea come upon you and um and you're dizzy so it's dizzy um and um nausea is how it presents and he would go in and um, go into the patient's room and I and I would help them and they would sit on the edge of the bed. Right. Um, in a sitting position and far back enough so that when they so then he has him sit. He comes on the other side of the bed and he holds their hand, um, or holds their head in, in the hand. And as they're going down, they have to be relaxed and you have to trust the person that's doing this, um, because you literally almost fling yourself backward. And as you're going back, um, you turn the, the person that's holding your head will turn your head to the left. And then you, um, you know, you sit there and, um, and you sit there for a few seconds And then you stand uh, or you sit back up and you do it again. So um, what happens, though, in this is that the crystals in the ear get out of whack for whatever reason could be a viral infection. You know, Um, it could be a trauma, you know, Um, you hit your head and they kind of get out of whack. So all this is doing is um, is getting those crystals back in the inner ear where they're supposed to be. And, um, you know, uh, like I said, it says start by sitting on a bed, turn your head 45 degrees to the right, quickly lie back, keeping your head turned, turn your head 90 degrees to the left without raising it, turn your head and body another 90 degrees to the left in the bed and sit up on the left side. So there is, um, YouTube videos. If you go to YouTube and type in Epley Maneuver, E-P-L-E-Y Maneuver, um, you know, you're going to have a, a ton of videos on on this topic. And so um, that's a great non-pharmaceutical way to handle this condition. I, you know, I, I was having it and, um, and you kind of know too, um, because you'll see like the eye twitch a little bit when you, when you turn to the left, your eye twitch a little bit um, somebody will notice it. You may not notice it, but somebody actually, um, looking, they'll notice it. And, um, and I showed the YouTube video to my son and I said, you got to do this on me. And, um, and it worked and it's something that just works immediately. So it's just like this amazing relief. And I actually did it on my mom and it worked for her. So I hope that works for you, Kimberly and your daughter. And, um, Yeah, then you don't need any pharmaceuticals.
3: Well, I tell you, I can actually relate to this, Kimberly, because when I, even though this may sound scary to make any comparison, I had my first episode of dizziness and vertigo in my life back in 2009. And the first episode that happened to me, I was just at a museum with my kids. And suddenly, all of a sudden, it felt like the entire room flipped upside down, like something out of Alice in Wonderland. And I fell into the wall, tried to hold onto the wall, could not walk myself straight, felt like everybody was upside down and just did not know what to do. And that was a really significant problem for me that day. And I just barely kind of made it out to the car with assistance with children only. And then I would start what would be months of ongoing vertigo and dizziness every single day. The only way to cope with it was to lie still, put your head back on a um, semi-reclined position with some pressure under the back of my head because I had always spent my whole life with really bad motion sickness in cars. Like everybody isn't that way. Like I grew up- in Yeah, me too. Oh, you did it too?
2: Yeah, I I can't sit in the back seat.
3: Yeah, if you grow up in a house when you're the only person that gets car sickness, they're all in the same car with you. They're all experiencing the same thing you are at the same time, but you're the only one experiencing it. You know that there's something different about you. And I had one of my biological kids of the three biological kids I had experience the same thing. And she would literally from a child, very tiny age, she'd say, I need a cup, mommy. And we'd pass her a cup. She was so polite. She would throw up in the cup and just politely do it without throwing up all over the entire car where most everybody, other kid just threw up wherever they were and They'd be like bah. yes it was disgusting <laughs> and she was the tidiest throw up child so but she progressed with the same kind of stuff throughout her young adult she's in her 20s now and still would wrestle with it but for me it was the beginning of a diagnosis toward multiple sclerosis and what they did was they first thought it was bppv and they did the epley maneuver on me and it in my case it did not help so When you do the Epley maneuver and it doesn't help, then that progresses to next testing and next testing. And they put me in with an ENT and um, Kimberly, you should bring her to an ENT to do this because they can do this maneuver. If you feel like you can't figure out how to do it at home, all ENTs have been trained to do this. So you can go to an ear, nose and throat doctor for that. But if it proves that it doesn't help, you're in the right place to go to the next level. So there is some actual more intense testing that they did with me that they put like a visual, a virtual reality mask on my face. And it was a nightmare of lights that they had moving on a beam that I had, that they were watching the way that my eyes moved. Apparently people like you and I, Jody, that have um, motion sickness issues. This was, this was like a nightmare for us. Okay. Yeah. uh, When I came out of that test, they said, Oh you actually don't have bppv you have a very rare thing called vestibular neuritis and it, it, in fact it's so rare that you actually have um the way that they described it was you, yours is bilateral they said first of all it's very rare to have on one side of your ear but you have it on both of your ears and i'm like okay well tell me what does that mean and i'm i pulled up the definition while you were talking Um, bilateral sequential vestibular neuritis BSVN is a rare condition in which an inflammation or an ischemic damage of the vestibular nerve occurs bilaterally in a sequential pattern. So that sounds a little funny, like, okay, why would it be inflamed? Now we don't know if Kimberly's daughter recently had a COVID vaccine or if she recently had a virus
2: or any vaccine, really. I mean, because it's inflammation being introduced to the body.
3: Exactly. My daughter's extreme neurological damage started from a chickenpox vaccine. And the irony is, is that those of us mothers that have just gone in for a well-child checkup, we don't even make an association in our mind that, oh, wait, two days ago, I just was at the pediatrician and got four injections in my child. Right. So mom, mom out there, Kimberly and mothers listening, if some kind, something bizarre is presenting with your 10-year-old, like you said, otherwise healthy 10-year-old, don't rule out the possibility that you are in the exact time frame to ask a pediatrician. If you just were seeing one, Have we may have a vaccine related injury on our hands and I want you to document this because this is a new unusual thing happening. And my daughter's, one of her conditions did involve dizziness and vertigo when her vaccine injury happened. So in my case, there was a lot of different factors that had to go into it, but, um, Anti-inflammatory steroids was what was given to me at that time, but also they addressed salt intake because there's another association to people who have things like you and I, Jody, that have car sickness issues that if we probably did make sure to consume, let's say, Redmond sea salt under the tongue, like a rock of Redmond sea salt under the tongue before we drove, we both should try it and see if it actually makes a difference because These COVID vaccine-injured people that are talking to me that are going to the FLCCC, one of their treatments is to put a piece of rock salt under their tongue in the morning that is from Redmond's, which is the mineral salt, and then to consume a certain volume of water. And it has apparently completely eliminated their dizziness and vertigo. Isn't that amazing?
2: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Have you heard about this too?
2: No, no. But you know what? I, you know, was that child that just had those ear problems, always had, you know, ear aches. I had to get the tubes in my ear. Um, and then, you know, I was healed from it. And then in my, um, mid twenties, uh, I, it happened again and I actually got the tubes replaced in my ears. And, and I'm just thinking like, was that an injury? Was that an injury that happened? And I, and now I look at it and I'm like, Everything is the injury. As far as I'm concerned, you know we're what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> truly. It's like, I just think like Kimberly says all the time that we're all vaccine injured on some level.
4: Yeah. I was just about to say that, but thank you, Jody, Just threw it in there for me. <laughs> <laughs> seems like we think- all know our quotes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like I'm about to like, have a coughing fit, so I was I, I muted and not really joining in too much because I'm, I'm still uh, recovering here. But yeah, exactly. We're all vaccine injured on some level. It's just that we have uh, failed to connect the dots. And if we start looking and tracking back to, I was just saying this to my mom yesterday, you know, I uh, was a very sickly child. I always had strep throat. I always, I can remember being on antibiotics all the time um, because Same. I was had either ear infections or strep throat and all of that. And I was completely vaccinated as a child. And now looking back, I'm like, yeah, well, it makes sense. Doesn't it?
3: Well,
4: uh, yeah. So we, I think, we, come all, back, I think we
3: should, I think we should definitely address this more when we get back on the other half. So we, we, it's time for a break. I want to remind everybody to remember our sponsor, ASEA. We have all been using it through this sixth season and nebulizing it and inhaling it through atomizers and rubbing yeah. it on our sore and painful areas. The ASEA Renew Gel. If you haven't checked it out, it is in the America Out Loud store. Be sure to get that. Give it a try because you are going to be blown away with what it does for you and uh, making sure to drink your two ounces in the morning and two ounces in the evening and get yourself through this six season with something that's not only natural, but native to your body, working for your body. So we'll be right back after the break and we'll pick up where we left off.
1: It's time and this is work.
5: The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
1: Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health. Cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off.
5: The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with OxyPowder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why OxyPowder is our number one seller. It works. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. You wouldn't go a day
2: without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R dot com.
1: Change in the world one person at a time.
3: Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. We are on Q&A with the nurses today with Kimberly, Jody and Michelle. And we were just talking about Jody and I having the background in our childhood of having chronic car sickness. And for anybody out there who has a child that is a car sick child, I want you want to encourage you to be compassionate with that particular child because I know what it felt like to always be the kid in the back seat. because if you are a kid, you're never in the front seat. And the worst place for a car sick child is in the back seat of a car. And I remember just begging to be on the side that it was a window. And, and my mom and dad had three children in a 1967 sports car Mustang, okay? And it was like my dad's other child And it ended up getting stolen while he was a public school teacher from the public school parking lot. And I don't think he ever got over that. But there was like these tiny little um, one foot by triangle shaped windows in the back seat. And they rolled down. Once upon a time, people, we actually had to turn a knob to roll things down. And those of you who are out there know what that was like, but... I would beg to be the the kid on the side just so I could have fresh air. So something about getting adequate air was definitely beneficial. I learned later in life, not because anybody helped me, but because I survived it and figured it out. That if I would put, if my parents would alert me, um, and to this day, all through my marriage, I would say, "Do not go into some sharp curve if I'm down looking at something without alerting me, because I have to put my head back." and have a little bit of pressure on the back of the seat um, to push under the base of my skull. And it wouldn't be until I was much older that I learned that there is actually an impact on people. There are some people who actually have the blood flow from their brain actually doesn't go out rapidly enough and it drains really slow. And I would not find out that until I was in my forties that, my veins that leave my brain actually are narrower than they should be. So therefore the blood doesn't leave my brain fast enough, which means that I actually used to feel like there was too much in my head, like there was a fullness in my head. So because I was such a sick kid in the car as a child, I just had immediate compassion for all my children and assumed that they had the same problem. So I would, I had this joke that as I was approaching a big turnaround for an exit, if I knew it was going to be one of those horrible circle turnarounds, I'd say, everybody ha- hold on to your vestibular juices, or I'd say, hold on to your spinal fluids or get a hold of your synovial fluids. And it was just this ridiculous joke that I would say, and everybody that was car sick would know to basically, you better get your face up. Because there's no such thing as a car sick kid reading in the car. Even looking over at kids reading was painful for me. What about you, Jody? What was your situation? Did you feel like it was that bad of an experience? Yeah,
2: it was bad. I mean, and and there were times where, um, like I said, I I would just I would sing. You know, I would I would sing. I, I was always singing the songs in the car. Well, you know that you've been in the car with me, you know, I I'm a singer in the car <laughs> and yeah. I always was even as a kid. So I would sing and I would have the windows rolled down. Um, but really, I mean, we w- weren't in the car that much, like as a child, cause we lived in the city. So we, you know, everything was very close, but when we would go on road trips, my saving grace was, my mom and my sister like to sleep in the car. So I would be awake in the front seat with my dad and, and they were like, Oh, she gets car sick. Let her sit up front. So.
3: <laughs> but you know what you just revealed? Um, I remember when I went to a natural path for the first time, he asked me a question that nobody had asked me about. It was because he was tuned in to knowing that if we do certain behaviors, It's evidence of something that's pathological that we might not even realize. We've figured out a way to cope. And the fact that you said that singing was something that you started in your childhood and it has evolved until today. Well, one of the treatments for people that when we were dealing with COVID with their low oxygen saturation, what I would list on the list of things that you could do at home was blow bubbles do deep breathing exercises or sing, because when you do that, you're actually having controlled breathing and you're getting actually a better oxygen. So it's interesting ah. to that you and I may be revealing and my daughter who had the same problem that there's some vascular, I, I'm not sure if you were back when you heard me say that they found out that the blood flow out of my brain was actually narrower than it should be. So I, I actually ended up finding out that I had a um, also an atrial septal defect in my heart that had a right to left shunt that meant some of, a lot of my oxygenated blood was not getting where it was supposed to, to my brain and body. So I had all these weird symptoms in my childhood that, like if I would run with the PE crowd and it was time for PE and we would run laps around the um, track, in the public school world, If you did not keep up with the coach, you know, she was going to, they weren't nice in our day. Okay. Michelle is 56 years old. And so I was running with the kids that were like 300 pounds and I was a skinny rail. Okay. But I could not run the track without excruciating abdominal pain. And it would not be until I was in my forties after having a stroke that a neurologist said to me, when you were young, when you did exercises, did you have significant abdominal pain? And I thought, whoever cared about that? Nobody ever cared. I cried about it. My coach would be like, get your butt running, Michelle. And she did not like me because I could not handle the pain of my abdomen. So she never told my parents that I was complaining of abdominal pain. For whatever reason, I never told my parents that I had abdominal pain. I was made to believe that I was just some whiny butt that was out there crying, crying on the basketball court. I'm sorry, any court. And when they fixed my heart and closed up that hole and I started getting all the oxygen to my entire body, it, I had severe fibromyalgia before they fixed that. I had joint pain, hand pain, all kinds of things in my appendages. And when they fixed my heart, it's amazing how good you feel when you suddenly get all the right oxygen to your body. Yeah, (laughs) right. Goodness. it It took 40 years and a major deterioration in my health. And uniquely, that story is quite an amazing story because I finally got sent to the stroke doctor and they finally concluded it was a stroke that I had had. And um, I was supposed to see some young whippersnapper that was new at this teaching hospital, University of Alabama. And um, she was in a car wreck and I got canceled out for a month. Then my next person um, had some other tragedy in their family, and they canceled me out for a month. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? I can't even get care. And when they finally scheduled my third appointment after those two tragedies, I ended up with the chief of um, neurology, stroke neurology for University of Alabama. And he was this Russian doctor who's now moved to Tennessee now, if I'm not mistaken. And when he walked in the room, His um, ignorant student doctor, and if you're out there and you're a student doctor, I just want to remind you that that does apply (laughs) because, (laughs) yes, you have a very high IQ, but you haven't learned everything yet. And that student doctor had just seen me, and he was very arrogant, sat down on his tailbone, all slipped down low. And when I told him what I was having happen, he says, well, it couldn't be a stroke because there's no there's no way you would have a stroke in that area of your brain because there's no blood flow there. He said something dumb like that. And I just was like, I knew he was dumb when he said it. But when this, this giant surgeon comes in there, um, this car, neurologist, I said, well, this is what your student said. He said that there's no blood flow to it. And this giant of a man turned to this peon and said, now, why would you say something stupid like that to the patient? When the entire brain is a vascular organ, she can have a stroke anywhere in the brain. And he just put him right back in his place and he swung back to me. And by the time we were done, he had solved that I had this shunt in my heart. It had started with that vertigo that first day. That was the first sign. And it progressed through lesions and strokes and all kinds of deterioration in my health to this brilliant man that it took. Two people having tragedies in their life to get me canceled from, to get fortunate enough to get this brilliant man that actually solved my case and sent me to Duke to get um, an implant put in my heart that changed my life forever. I've never been this. I've been a wonderful person ever since then, changed my life. And that was after years of really living anoxia. Who knows, Jody? You may have some anoxia in there, too.
2: Yeah. Who know? I mean, thankfully I'm, I'm, you know, cured of all of that, but it's definitely a sensitive area to my body. So when I, when I get like congestion, I have got to get on top of it with like nasal, um, respiratory nasal, oral pharyngeal sanitation, like drive that inflammation down because if it goes out of control, it's going to affect my, the, my inner ear. So really need to, Keep on top of it for sure.
3: Yeah, there's another remedy out there for the um, vertigo and dizziness that I used also. I may have told you about this when you were. I'm not sure if I did or not. But guaifenesin is a cough syrup, and it is used for so many different remedies. I it has been used for infertility to help women have more copious fluid. During intercourse, so that the seminal fluid can make it through the cervix on that fluid, Guiafenis and cough syrup is actually recommended for women in those situations. But it also does something for the fluid in your ears. And the ENTs let me know about that. So when I was struggling with the vertigo and the dizziness, I was amazed at how guiafinis and cough syrup, which is basically Robitussin with nothing else in it. That's the name brand, but you have to make sure there's nothing like dextromethorphan or phenylalanine or anything like that. And it's just the clean, straight guiafenicin. Maybe somebody will make a guiafenicin one day that actually doesn't have saccharin and artificial flavors and colors in it as well. Because right now, sadly, that is what's out there. Um, Is there another question that we have out there that you wanted to address before I brought up something about patient advocacy?
2: Um, No, go ahead on the advocacy. That's important. Let's get to that
3: yeah. so uh, because I have my broken hip situation, I have had to be the patient. And over the holidays was advocate trying as hard as I could to make sure to get some of the expensive things done before the end of the year because I had met my deductible. And I met with one obstacle after another just with staff that don't return calls. You leave message after message trying to say, Listen, it's three weeks before the end of the year. Can we please get this scheduled before the end of the year? And sadly, um, By the time it all got figured out, they waited till after Christmas to call me and say, oh, ma'am, you know, we can't get you in for imaging unless you've had an appointment. I said, well, then wouldn't that have been good to say to me two weeks ago that I needed an appointment now that it's only five more days left of the year and forced me to have to go to urgent care because I had to have an appointment to get the imaging. And what I ran into was when I finally secured my order for imaging, it was such a big deal. They said, well, basically, Miss Michelle, you're going to have to take the bull by the horn yourself and you're going to have to call the imaging place and you're going to have to get it set up because we're all going back on vacation for New Year's Eve. And I, I said to the, they had said to me already, it's up to the patient to find their own physical therapy. It's up to the patient to find this or that. And, and I just stopped them in their tracks and said, do you hear what you're saying? You know, the average broken hip woman is probably a 70-year-old um, elderly person and they're in pain and they're probably taking narcotics to cope with that pain. And you're telling them they've got to figure out where the best physical therapy is in a, in their city. and And that was literally the advice that they said. And they kept passing off to the patient to do the job. And when I finally got to the imaging place that actually was going to do it, I kept being told, well, send it to us on this email and when it gets processed, we will call you for an appointment. Now, we live in 2024 now. Emails don't have to be processed. They literally arrive in a second. And I I went for two days with nobody saying they were processed. So I got really frustrated because now it was the next to the last day of the year. I had a, you know, a couple of hundred thousand uh, probably $500 worth of imaging I needed to have done. And it would change to $1,500 after the year started if I I didn't get it done out of pocket. So she said, so I got this new girl. Her name was Rosie. And I told her my plight. And she said, oh, well, just send it to me an email right now. I said, listen, Rosie, I've already sent it to three other people. And that hasn't done anything. She says, send it to my email right now. And then I, and so I obeyed and she says, oh, there it is. And I mean, as soon as she said, oh, there it is, I said, well, sure enough, it does work like that in the real world, doesn't it? We send emails and people say, I got it within a second. And I said, well, why could you get it, Rosie? And nobody else did. And she said, I guess they just didn't look because there it is. And she says, I'm going to call the insurance right now and see what we can do. They told me it took 15 days to get approved. An hour later, Rosie calls me back and says it's approved and it's a hundred percent covered and I can get you in today. And what Rosie didn't know was that this patient had been trying for three weeks to do this with discouragement upon discouragement, trying to get the job done. And I and I made sure to let her know how special she was. But I asked her what her manager's name was, and I wrote a lengthy letter to the manager and said, "I don't. I, you need to understand this. She must be elevated. She must be exalted." You need to put her in front of all your other employees and say, this is what she was able to do for a very short, limited amount of time and expedited without hardly any effort at all, a patient to get what their need was met just because she made the effort to do it. And I got a big letter from the um, manager the next day, you know, praising her and Rosie was all thankful. And I said, Rosie, you might even get on my show. I mean, I literally think that you are such a rare breed. What do you think of that? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah that's yeah thank thank goodness for Rosie I actually had a you know not a non-medical issue I'm I'm leaving to go out to St. Thomas and I receive an email at midnight and I'm leaving in two days and the email from American Airlines said says "Um, your flight has changed please call us to rebook and uh, we were unable to automatically rebook you and four phone calls about two hours. Um, I had a couple of customer service people that said my flight was never ticketed. <laughs> and I said, hey, excuse me, it's in my app. And they're like, well, did you receive an email? And I said, I don't know. It's in my app. Like I look at my app. What do you want me to tell you? Well, if you didn't get uh, an email saying, you know, congratulations, your ticket is booked, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, long story short, because I know we don't have the time, but um, one of them hung up on me, literally hung up the phone. A the other one put me. Yeah. Put me on hold and canceled my flight. What? Literally, I looked in my app and canceled my flight. And she had said, well, they had changed the flight and. Since you booked using your miles since, I mean, it only cost me like $14 to go to St. Thomas, but she's like, since you used your miles, now you have to wait until your miles are reinstated and then book at the going rate. And I said, so you're punishing me for being a loyal customer like really? So anyway, last lady gets on the phone and I, you know, started off with a conversation. I said, I've, she was like, how's your day going? And I said, well, ma'am, I have been on the phone. It's been three hours. I just got off of work in the emergency room in a night shift. And I am just doing my best. And she said, are you a nurse? And I said, yes. And she goes, oh my gosh, my daughter's a nurse. And I understand how you feel. And Michelle, I literally started bawling. I like, know. Bawling. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and she's like, don't worry, honey, we're going to get this fixed for you. And she wound up doing it. But I mean, it even took her 30 minutes because she had a, like, it was a big deal to do this. And thankfully, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I told her, I said, I don't know what happened to customer service. I don't know what happened to like, empathy and trying to help people and, you know, the, the world,
3: and it's not just medical, it's uh, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. I, mean, I think of the reason why your emotions and your body just went out and broke down because I felt the same exact way. And I think anybody out there listening can understand and probably relate with what we're saying here, that what happens to your body, you are mind, body, soul, and spirit. You're not just a piece of flesh. And so, what Jody was counting on in this trip, and what I was counting on, I could see financial debt to my family and harm to my family financially if I could not get this accomplished. And I tried to be a good steward and do the right thing. Jody is looking forward to this beautiful opportunity for respite and whatever pleasure is associated to going to this trip and 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 maybe who she's going to be with or anything that's really being looked forward to. And these, and we both met with obstacles of people who were actually contributing to possibly a very bad outcome for what we were looking forward to like me not having financial debt you getting to get on your trip and everybody was not only not helping you they were actually offending you harming you and making it worse so that when somebody's compassionate who actually shows the right response to your soul and your and your heart you your heart and your soul respond with finally compassion and help that, that you finally yeah. feel it and you're and you feel it down inside your soul that another soul person responded like a soul person. And either all these other people, you know, are soulless, callous, you know what, um, that are, are the part of the people in the world that are making it a worse place. Yeah, that <laughs> they're certainly not trying to be the solution. And and I encourage you all out there that, you know, I'm a super, super friendly person, um, probably to a fault. But when I see somebody actually reciprocate it, I really want to, I make sure to say something to them to say, I just want you to know that the tone of voice that you just said that in makes all the difference. Or the way that you just smiled after I was done with complaining to you about something that needed to be complained about. You were a professional and you heard the patient's cry that there's inadequate incompetence in your business. And even you failed me. I told you, you even failed me because another person actually that did fail me at least kept their cool and didn't start getting nasty with me. And I'm so proud of her. And I told her so that I said, I'm still mad at you. And I still think you failed me, but you did not lose your temper and you didn't do a crime against me by hurting me worse. Like that person who, you know, canceled your flight, (laughs) like literally
2: canceled it. I, I just, I could not believe it. You know, I just what had happened was they sent a message saying that your flight had changed. So instead of arriving at 10 a.m., it was arriving at 3 p.m. So I was just trying to call to see like, hey, is there another flight I can get on? You know, I'm only there for a few days. I don't want to miss out on a whole day. And she's like, yeah, there's another flight. And I was like, well, how much is it? And she's like, well, you're going to have to look. And I'm like, well, I'm asking you. I said, I'm not going to cancel my flight without and see how much is it going to charge me? It, you guys changed my flight. So how is this my problem? And she kept going back to, I'm a rewards member. And I'm like, well, do you hear what you're saying? I'm a rewards member because I fly
3: with you guys. Like, so give oh me a break.
2: Yeah. Well, uh,
3: this insanity. So y'all, y'all can send us in anything to nurses at America Loud dot news. Even if you want to tell us about wonderful patient advocacy and shout out for somebody that, that has done well, because it does matter that you are part of the solution of being the good service person, the good customer service person, and that the people who actually do the right thing that we shout out and praise for them. Some quick questions before I leave is that a lot of people are asking questions about the uh, povidone iodine nasal and throat spray, and there a common question that comes up is if I have thyroid disease, can I use iodine products? And what I tell people is, if you do have thyroid disease, you need to. It's usually hypothyroid that's the problem, lower thyroid. People that get told not to have iodine. I would encourage you to get Doctor David Brownstein's book called Iodine. Because there's a good chance that yourself and even, yes, your doctor may not have been as well read as they should have been on this subject. And that iodine actually isn't something maybe that you should have removed. But I'm not that's not medical advice. I just encourage you to get the book and get yourself informed. But go ahead and talk to your doctor about just how harmful would it be for you to use it only occasionally 1% iodine sprayed in your nose or throat after high risk situations. And when you're sick, every three to four hours for about 10 days, that's 1% iodine every three to four hours for about 10 days. Is that low amount of iodine going to be a problem for you? If you're high risk for COVID or the flu being a bigger problem for you, I'd rather you be able to stop and mitigate COVID and uh, the flu in your nose and throat and look into that and see if you can have it. Otherwise, you're stuck with having to do either a hydrogen peroxide, a DIY, or getting the clear that you can get on the America Out Loud store, which is um, X-L-E-A-R. You just need to do it a lot more frequently because it takes a little bit longer for it to have a kill factor. But people also ask me when we're talking about airplanes, Can you carry this on an airplane? And um, the companies that are making these nasal and oral sanitation products do have them in 30 milliliters. That's what they are. They're meant to be able to travel in your purse. Yes, you can travel with them. I put it on my, sprayed in my nose and my throat. I'm sure Jody does too. Every time before I get on a flight and when I get back to my hotel and then after every major event that I'm in a crowd. So definitely keep it in your purse. You should always have some on board. Um, And if you're traveling, please do not leave the country without your nasal oral sanitation. Jody, I'm sure you found that out really to be true when you traveled.
2: Yeah. Well, and I'm using it, uh, you know, at work, you know, when I, when I go to work, I um, putting it in my nose, I'll do it a couple of times throughout my shift too, because you know, what we're seeing in the, in the emergency room is a ton of sickness. I'm going to, we're going to address that on nurse news analysis this Thursday. So uh, we'll be talking about that, but yeah, super important to practice respiratory hygiene.
3: Yes. And if you follow Jody on Instagram, she just did a video of herself using an atomizer just to do some inhalation with just an atomizer misting on herself. So be sure to check that out. If you are not following us all on Instagram, be sure to follow um, each of us. Our links are on our show note page on News slash Loud. You can find each of us there and find all of our social media. Well, I think that's going to be a wrap for today. So Thanks, ladies, for getting some of these questions answered. And thank you all for sending your questions in. Just keep sending them in to us. We'll try to deal with those. Um, Be sure to share valuable content because your friends and family may not be getting news from anywhere that actually is providing uncensored news. You are definitely going to hear things here, maybe not necessarily on Nurse News Analysis or on our Q&A, but definitely on our shows that we have Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then obviously on America Out Loud, there are so many shows that are valuable out there that no one else is talking about. So get our shows, bring them out there to the public. It's easy to drop a podcast app in a text and say, hey, check this out. And just hope that they actually open their mind to whatever you wanted to share with them. Because it's all up to each of us because everybody's not going to be listening to what you're hearing right now. So do what you can to spread truth because we are in a war for truth and Nurses Out Loud is doing what we can to get the truth out there and also to remind everybody that there is help and hope and it can be found among those that are out there being part of the solution. Like Dr. Urso just showed us on um, our show today that there is going to be help and hope for those that are um, COVID vaccine injured and there's going to be a place for you to go to actually get those resources. So... We'll see you next week. And while until then, do what you can to share the truth.
1: It's Thomas.